What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, good evening, everyone. This is Roderick Martin. I want to welcome you guys to Extraterrestrial Evidence. And uh, tonight, as always, you could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be right here, right now with us. And with that being said, we're going to serve you with an amazing uh, story tonight and then also have you to hop in with us and share your uh, personal experiences or asking questions as well. So here tonight, I have uh, Nick with me tonight. And then, of course, the greatest admin of all time is Tiffany over there to the far right. Our guest is Matthew, and uh, he should be here with us. Actually, he's in the audience or he was in the audience and we were trying to uh, bring him up into the flow here. So I don't know if Nick, if you can try to reach him offline there a bit. Uh, I, I just spoke to him. He says, I, I see him right there in the room. He's uh, the MR with no profile picture, Matthew. Oh, the MR. Okay. So, all right. So let's see if we can invite him to speak. I did. So Matthew, you might want to look for the um, invite button there. There you go. Okay. So he is up here with us in, in there. So uh, basically, um, let's get here. We'll mute him out here for a second here. All right. All right. So uh, basically, everyone, uh, I just want to thank each and every one of you for being here once again. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation tonight. And if any of you want to come up on stage and, and talk with our guest in a few minutes, then, then uh, Tiffany will bring you up. And uh, so what we're going to talk about, um, and I'll let uh, Nick introduce our guest tonight since they made a good relationship and, uh, and that's how he got here with us. So go ahead, Nick. Okay, thanks, Roderick. Um, as, as everybody knows, the, the three videos released by the Pentagon that was the FLIR one, that one was the uh, Commander Fravor video, and then there was also the Gimbal and the GoFast. Now, it's like historically, in the grand scheme of things, the, the, the Tic Tac video, the, the FLIR one video, um, it is by far the most impactful because it has Commander Fravor coming forward publicly talking about it, like on Joe Rogan and stuff. Huge leap towards disclosure. Uh, however, the Gimbal on a technical side, I believe is the most impactful. Um, uh, the, the the gimbal was shot on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 2015, uh, then officially acknowledged by the Pentagon in 2019, uh, and then 
correct me after I'm done with this part if if I if that's incorrect. Uh, in a previous conversation, I said that he was on board the Nimitz. That was my fault. He was on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt. So I found this guy um, again, just like I found Anjali on Reddit, and I wrote to him and I explained, uh, you know, how I, I went to Annapolis, Maryland. So I was quote unquote in the Navy for. Uh, I was at the Naval Academy for those four years. Didn't serve as a naval officer. I served as an army officer. But um, I explained, you know, shared background. I'd never been on board the Theodore Roosevelt, but I've been on board other uh, nuclear uh, powered aircraft carriers. Uh, so uh, got a good rapport going, and um, he sent me very much like Anjali did. He sent me uh, photos and links to verify his uh, who he is, and he is who he says he is beyond a reasonable doubt. I've seen. Uh, his photo ID, uh, along with it, he's holding his photo ID. I've seen his DD-214, which is a, a standard form they give all um, active duty military personnel as they leave the military. To It's like their proof of service form. Um, and uh, I, I found him uh, – a ship has something like a yearbook online. Um, every Not every ship does, but most of the bigger ones have these like yearbooks. And I found him on his ships, the Theodore Roosevelt's yearbook for that year. Same picture, same name. Of course, Matthew Roberts is a pen name. That's why I had to verify the identity and speak on his behalf, uh, because he doesn't want to go by his real last name. And I'll let him speak to that. Uh, so, Matthew, thank you very much for joining us, and I'll pass the ball. All right, Matthew, you have to look on the bottom right of the app, and you can unmute your microphone there. Oh, sorry about that. Can everybody hear me now? Yep, yep, we can hear you okay. Everything is going great, and want to appreciate you for uh, being here tonight. And just like everyone else, uh, we just really appreciate not only your service to our country, but at the same time, uh, just being here tonight. And so just real quickly, uh, Tiffany and I both are MUFON uh, field investigators for the MUFON Network. So for those of you who are wanting to just get into the game, uh, definitely join us. Uh, go to MUFON.com and look up the website there. You can become a member, and you can also become an investigator. So go ahead, Matthew. I just had to throw it out there. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, Nick, thanks for all the work you did in verifying my identity. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'll i just go ahead and start into the story, if you'd like, if that would be all right. Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I was on uh, the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 2015. Um, we were doing our workups, preparing for deployment. Um, and I was working as a, uh, I was working in Intel uh, at the time. Um, uh, so we were at the end of this workup cycle um, when the ship encountered um, these craft that were, uh, doing some pretty odd things. So, um, and that is where the uh, gimbal and go fast footage came from. Um, now in 2015, when this was happening, uh, I was, we had, we had just finished this workup cycle. I was, I was pretty much sitting back waiting to be debriefed on how well um, our group had performed. Cause this is a graded evolution. And so, uh, you know, I was finished. We were finished with our portion of uh, all of the drills and things that were happening that entire month. Um, and a friend of mine who works in Intel came into my shop. He he worked in a different shop. 
And he said, you know, check this out. So I, uh, I pulled it up on my computer and, uh, this was the first time I had seen, uh, the now declassified gimbal footage, um, and the go fast footage as well. Um, after that, uh, I, I kind of had like this emotional reaction to it. I didn't really, I didn't really understand the reaction I was having to it. Um, but it was, it was incredibly emotional and heavy for me for some reason. Uh, and I felt like a lot of the people around me had zero interest, <laughs> zero interest in what was happening. And I'm of course speaking for people at my level, just the people who I worked with in my shop. I'm not talking about, you know, any of the higher ups on this ship. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I I thought it was incredible. Uh, I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, and I couldn't get enough of it. You know, so for, for the rest of the deployment, I kept pulling this footage up and I was kind of watching it. And, um, you know, my coworkers would see me watching this footage and they'd say, what are, you, what are you doing? Are you watching that again? You know, why are you watching that again? But I, 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 of course, you know, I'm looking for signs of propulsion. I'm trying to understand what it is I'm seeing here. Uh, and uh, I couldn't really make much sense of it at the time. Um, and when, when, when this was going on, I, I had such an emotional reaction to it that I couldn't. I found that I was unable to eat for several days. Uh, I had completely lost my appetite. I um, I was starting to become very paranoid because this feeling washed over me that they were there for me uh, and that someone was going to find this out, which, of course, at the time I thought was crazy. Uh, it didn't make any sense. Um, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to know what was going on, you know, but, you know, at the same time, I realized that, you know, maybe this is some kind of program that I'm not read into. So I'm never going to know, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to snoop. So we went on our deployment after that. And I kind of put this in the back of my mind. Uh, and for, no, I wouldn't say forgot about it because it was always there. I, I, you know, it would happen once a day, at least, that I would just kind of think about it and wonder. Um, but that was that was the extent of that. Um, I then transferred to my next duty station at the Office of Naval Intelligence. Um, and that is when, that is when, uh, just after arriving there, uh, was when the New York Times article hit. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that by now. Uh, and there was some footage associated with it. And, um, the footage of course was the gimbal footage. And so, you know, being in intelligence and knowing that I had, um, seen this behind closed doors for the first time back in 2015, it was a bit shocking that all of a sudden, you know, this is, in the New York Times, and now I'm watching this footage on my cell phone. This was something that I never certainly thought would see the light of day. 
Um, and yet here it was, you know, <laughs> very publicly. So it was a bit unnerving. Um, I came to be watching this footage and reading the article because my um, brother had texted me one day and said, hey, you know, check this out. So I clicked on the links and I watched the video. I read the article and um, he, I knew he was going to be calling me to ask me about it any minute. Um, but, you know, secretly, I didn't want to have that conversation with him. I didn't want to talk about this. Uh, this was something that I, I never discussed my job with my family at all. Uh, they had no idea, you know, what I did for a living. Um, they just knew I couldn't talk about it. So, so the fact that he was going to now ask me about this stuff made me incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, so he starts calling me and I thought, well, maybe he's, he's not going to ask me about this right away. And that was the first thing he said to me. I answered the phone and he's like, hey, have you ever encountered anything like this? You know, and I started choking. I, I didn't, I couldn't even get it out, you know. Um, but uh, I started to think to myself, you know, this has been declassified. You had the former Senate majority leader is quoted in this article. People are talking about it. So I decided to just go ahead and let him know that, yeah, you know, I was, I was there when this footage was collected. Um, and I first saw it back in 2015. And, um, you know, he went kind of quiet with that. I think that's not at all what he was expecting me to say. Um, because normally when he would ask me about something to do with my job or, or, you know, anything to do with the military or world affairs, I would kind of just, you know, change the subject or gloss over it or speak in generalities. And here it was, you know, it was making it real for him, um, now he knew that this was real too. Uh, and um, yeah, so it was after that that um, that I began having, you know, conscious experiences with, um, you know, beings in my room at night, which I know that, you know, people might find that incredibly disturbing. And I did at the time as well. But you know, one of the reasons why I feel like I have to come forward is to lend some credibility to this conversation, because I know that it was happening to me. Um, I know that it happened to other people. Um, and so we have to talk about it. Um, and that's just the way I feel. And uh, ultimately, that is why I decided to leave the Navy uh, in 2020. So I, you know, I began having you know, paranormal experiences that were happening. Uh, I had this, you know, heavy depression that had set in. Uh, I had, and I, I don't know how, how much in this story <laughs> I should get, but I, and I, and I know that this is going to sound crazy, but, uh, this, this is the, this, I'm telling you the honest truth that this is what happened to me. Uh, so I, 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 I had been looking for credible sources to look into this, you know, because I have a very analytic mind. So I, 
I, I looked at the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science because they were mentioned in the New York Times article. Um, and there were people who were associated with the Pentagon in that group. So I decided, well, let's drill down from there. And I started looking at, you know, books that people had written that were a part of this organization. So I read Tom DeLong's books uh, and I read um, Hunt for the Skinwalker by Colm Kelleher. Um, I also read some of Jacques Vallée's stuff because he had written a forward to one of Tom DeLong's books. Um, and so I had read those books and then I kind of ran out of what I considered to be credible sources, right? Um, and I decided, well, you know, Tom DeLong leaves this kind of cliffhanger at the end of one of his books where it talks about some tablets. And so one day I'm sitting in my truck and I, and I start looking for these tablets, just trying to figure out maybe what, what were they, you know, uh, without having to wait for the next book. So I'm looking this up and I come across, um, the Emerald tablets, which kind of leads me to, um, hermetic teaching and i came across this book called the kabbalion by the three initiates and the book uh kind of i read the synopsis of it and the synopsis was pretty out there um for me anyway at the time uh but it it states like these seven universal principles and um and that there's no such thing as coincidence. You know, everything happens for a reason. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't, this isn't something I want to read or look into. So I decided, well, maybe there's a local MUFON chapter near me. I was living in Maryland, just outside DC at the time. And so I, I was looking up a local chapter in Maryland. I didn't see anything uh, that wasn't more than 10 years old. So I decided, you know, well, I guess I've just got to wait for more releases and um, and that'll be it. You know, so I went to bed that night. The next morning I got up and I had to drive south down to uh, Patuxent River, which is uh, like a, an hour and some change south from D.C. Uh, so I drive down there and I'm on my way home back up to D.C. when... Uh, this hatchback, you know, pulls in front of me and cuts me off. And on the back window, it says, uh, MUFON, Maryland, find us on Facebook. And I thought, huh, you know, I don't have Facebook. I guess that's why I didn't, why I didn't see them. Being in Intel, Facebook was not something that I was comfortable doing at the time. So I didn't. Um, so anyway, just as this hatchback cuts me off, and I think how strange that is. I start pass. I, I look out the right side of my truck and I see I'm passing a Hobby Lobby, and I had never actually seen one of those um, businesses before in person, but I was uh, aware of the Supreme Court decision and the controversy surrounding Hobby Lobby, so I kind of made a note of that. Um, so later that night, I'm getting ready for bed, and I'm heading upstairs. And being that I had just arrived in D.C., I was renting a room in someone's house. Um, and so uh, 
I had to walk in front of my roommate as he was watching TV and go up the stairs to my room. Um, and he, he was watching, I don't know, it must've been CNN or something. And, um, he was watching the talking heads. He, he's kind of a liberal, just like I am. So, uh, as I'm headed up the stairs, he stops me and says, do you know what, you know what all this is about with these Republicans? And I stopped and I said, no, what? And he said, Hobby Lobby. And then he, you know, goes into this dialogue about how, um, you know, the, the, the Hobby Lobby Supreme Court decision had allowed dirty money into campaigns and things like that. And I kind of agreed. And then I went upstairs and shut the door in my room and I started thinking, you know, this is, seems like a day of coincidences, you know, this last night I had been looking at MUFON and then that hatchback cut me off. And then, and then, you know, I saw the Hobby Lobby and my roommate just mentions that out of the blue. And as I'm thinking this, my heart starts pounding, you know, and I look down at my shirt, I can see my heart pounding in my chest. And I thought, it was, it was kind of like the, the the pounding you get with a rush of adrenaline, only I didn't feel any kind of adrenaline rush. It was just pounding. So I, I sat down for a minute, um, you know, to see if it would just subside. Uh, and then I started to feel this urge, um, this powerful urge to get in my car and drive. And I thought, you know, this is weird. I've never felt compelled to get in my car and drive before so i thought you know i'll just see if this will just go away i waited several minutes um and it would not go away it wouldn't subside and that pounding was incredibly uncomfortable so i was like well you know why don't i just do this and and then i'll see that this is just a you know a stupid thing there's nothing to it um so i go down to my truck and uh, I get in it and I back out into the first point of the three-point turn to get out of the driveway. And I start just kind of thinking to myself, I, I can't do this. You know, this is, it, it's almost midnight now. I've got to go to work tomorrow. Um, this is a wild goose chase in the middle of the night. And if I keep this up, I'm going to find myself in a straitjacket. You know, so I... I decide I'm just going to pull back into my spot and go upstairs and go to bed. Um, and just as I made that decision, I felt uh, this um, like electric shock, just like, like I was sitting on a light switch or something and someone had just flipped it. Um, I felt this electrical shock or electrocution just shoot through my body. Um, and I felt my, my foot, step on the gas and my hands turned the steering wheel towards the road and I didn't do that uh and then the electric shock shut off uh and I slammed um and I was a mess uh but I heard this voice that um just kind of forcefully said get out you know like it was angry with me um so I got out of the truck and I started walking across the parking lot and my, my legs are like, you know, wet noodles. Um, 
I can't even feel them, you know. Uh, and um, as I walk past this table, um, one of the women raises her hand and points at the homeless man and says, do you see there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. She said, I never sit at places like this, but something told me to sit here tonight. And with that, I, I entered the store and I thought, you know, th this is impossible. She, that, that lady did not just say that. Um, because that was, of course, the, the basic synopsis of the Kabbalion, right? That there's no such thing as coincidence. And there's these seven universal principles so i i decided that i was going to start reading the kabbalion the next day because this was just this whole scenario the, whole, the entire day just was geared towards the fact that there is no coincidence and that i was going to read this book now and it was almost like the universe saying you know you, you decided not to read this book last night but really you're going to read this book. <laughs> so um, I read it um, the next day. I actually, I found it easier to listen to um, a uh, LibriVox recording that I found on YouTube um, about the book. Uh, because it, it's just much easier to listen to than it is to read, um, if that makes any sense. So I listened to that several times, um, and I thought to myself, you know, if this is some kind of, you know, learning experience that I'm going through, maybe I thought, you know, well, I'm I'm ready for more experiences from which I can learn, right? And, um, you know, uh, I I wasn't prepared for what was going to happen next, nor was I prepared for the events of the next several months. But uh, I, and this was probably maybe a week and a half later, I, um, I was asleep in bed and um, I woke up at some point in the middle of the night um, because I felt something grab my arm. And uh, I opened my eyes. I was sleeping. I was on my back in my room. And I'm looking at the window off to my left. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the window starts to get a little bit blurry. And so I tried to raise my hand to my face to kind of wipe the sleep out of my eyes. And I realized I couldn't move. Um, and so I realized, well, wait a minute, I woke up because somebody's grabbing my arm and there's, I can still feel the hand there. So I kind of fight to turn my head to the right to see what's going on. And my room starts to get blurrier and blurrier as I do this until I'm looking off to the right and I can see this, like a shadow figure of... Um, a torso, two arms and a head kind of leaning over me in bed. And um, I'm watching this and then all of a sudden my room from behind this shadow figure starts to light up in this golden light really kind of slowly. It just And then it becomes blinding. 
and then the rays concentrate the, the the light concentrates into these rays of light extending from its head and um i'm thinking to myself what what's happening here you know what is going on and then this it was almost like there was a like um like a um uh, some kind of a screen in front of this face of this thing that's standing over me and it starts portraying pictures images of people that i know um and it starts flipping through them and then it stops on an image of an ex of mine from 20 years ago um and so i start to lose consciousness i drift off back to sleep as i can feel the weight of someone crawling into bed with me I then started to have a sexual dream with my ex and I from 20 years ago. It was an odd dream, though, because it was like me and my ex, and we were in complete darkness. There was nothing else. There was no floor. There was no room we were in. It was just black. Me and my ex surrounded by complete blackness. And... um it just started to feel very real what was happening in the dream. And then I start to regain consciousness and I'm back in my room and I can see that there is this female on top of me and uh, my hands are on her thighs and I can feel that her skin is much thicker than human skin. It's kind of smoother too. Um, and I, she has blue skin and I'm looking at her and I'm trying to scan up towards her face and her face is completely blurred out. I couldn't see it at all. I could see the top that she was wearing. Um, it looked like some kind of, I, I, I say in the book that, you know, it looks like a, made, made of maybe um, precious stones or m metal or something. Uh, it didn't look like anything I'd ever seen before. Um, certainly not someone wearing it. Um, so anyway, I'm in and out of this dream state several times. Um, and then I wake up in my bed the next morning. And uh, I start thinking to myself, what? What just happened? You know, what happened last night? Um and I went down to my truck to try and kind of process this a little bit. And I think, I think most people maybe would. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, would have attributed that to maybe some kind of dream, but I, I knew that it was real. I mean, I, I knew that, that there was something in my room last night. Because I, you know, you have dreams, but they're never as, I I never anyway had, had dreams at this point that, you know, you could feel the texture of someone's skin um, in a dream. So I, I knew that this had really happened and I, I had attributed it to, you know, what I had seen back in 2015. And I, at, at the time it was happening to me, I even thought as I'm looking at her on top of me, this can't be happening. I cannot believe this is happening. And I thought, you know, there's got to be some kind of craft park in the backyard that, that she had arrived here in. Um, so I'm processing this and thinking about it. Um, and I, I started to get really angry uh, because, you know, I kind of wanted to understand this, but here I was just basically raped, you know, and um, I felt kind of violated for that. And I started to think, you know, what are, what does this mean? You know, what does this mean for humanity that this is happening? Um, and uh, it was devastating. Um, and I continued to feel that way for several weeks uh, as things got worse. Um, this is when, you know, the, the nightmares really picked up. Um, I became so paranoid that I was, you know, 38, a 38 year old guy. And I, I was afraid of the dark. I slept with my lights on. Um, I just could not stand the thought of being in the dark. Um, you know, because I, I don't know. The, the dark was just this place that no longer made sense to me. I, I had to have the lights on. And I started, you know, wrapping myself up um, like a burrito in my comforter at night because I thought if something is going to come in the middle of the night and get me, um, they're going to have to jerk the comforter out from underneath me and that's going to wake me up. Um I don't know if that was a good thing to do or a bad thing to do because, um, you know, uh, I think it was like twice a week, um, for the next several months, uh, I would, I would wake up to that, you know, someone jerking the comforter out from underneath me. I would have that familiar heavy feeling of not being able to move. And I would, you know, I'd often wake up on my right side. Someone's behind me and they're throwing the comforter off me onto the floor in front of me. Uh, I would often hear a female voice that would say, shh, shh, don't be afraid. As this was happening and I would fall back asleep. Several times I would fall back asleep as my, I could feel my body sliding across the bed um, towards the wall. Um, and, you know, in investigating this, I would wake up 
in the morning and I would look at my mattress and I would see that it was, you know, shifted off the box spring um, towards the wall. Um, and and I, every time I would put it back and every time I would have this experience, it would be shifted. So <clears throat> I knew that something was up, you know. I, like I said, the nightmares were awful. I would wake up um, covered in sweat uh, to the point that um, <clears throat> they were some of the worst dreams I've ever had. Um, you know, just like apocalyptic type things. Dreams where my my parents are being murdered with an axe. Um, you know, and I and I would wake up covered in so much sweat that it looked like I had just gotten out of the shower with my clothes on. Um, sometimes I would, you know, wake to, um, you know, knocking on the walls, <clears throat> footsteps in the house. Um, a few times I woke to the sound of a woman screaming in the house. Uh, but, um, of course there were, there was no female living there. Um, so just kind of all of these really unnerving things were happening um uh i it started to be you know a bit much um because on top of all of this i was having this just severe uh depression um i mean it was it was unreal how intense it was there were days that i would come home from work and all i could do was lay on the floor of my bedroom and just cry like a baby um, with my teeth would be chattering. Uh, and I just had no control over that whatsoever. Um, so one day I went down to my truck and I thought, you know, I'm going to call a buddy of mine to talk about something, anything. I don't even care what we talk about. Just as long as it's not this, you know, and um, he wasn't answering. Uh, and then I feel, you know, someone push on my cell phone from behind me with such force that I had to grab it uh, and before it fell out of my hand and hit the ground. Um, and I turned around with a smile on my face thinking that my roommate would be behind me, but there was no one there. Um, uh, there was nobody anywhere. I was standing, you know, 20 feet from anything in the middle of the driveway uh, and there was no one. Um, so I ran up to my room and I stayed there for the rest of the evening. I came back down that night to call my brother, uh, from my truck and just talked. I was going to just unload everything that was happening. And, um, as I was calling him, I felt once again, someone push on my cell phone from behind me. I was sitting in the cab of my truck at this time. So I knew, I mean, I knew there was no one behind me. There was, there wasn't even anybody, any, any room behind me in the cab for someone to be back there. So I knew what it was. And, um, I just, um, when he answered, I told him everything that had been happening. And I, I actually was afraid for my life, uh, at this point, I thought they're going to kill me, you know? And I told my brother that, and he said, you know, I don't think so. 
there's got to be something you're missing uh because uh you know he kind of brought me back down to earth he said you know they've got all this exotic technology that can do all this exotic stuff and you think they're using that just to terrorize you there's something you're missing and so i thought you know he's probably right and so i started to think about the kabbalion i I was like, well, I'll, I'll read it a few more times and see if I can't glean anything. And I started to comb through the experiences I'd been, I'd been having. That whole light show to me seemed like I started to think about it. And I started thinking about how, you know, religious paintings and depictions all over the world have some like divine entity with like a halo or golden rays coming from the head and i started to think that this looks like all the religious art i've ever seen you know so i thought you know that there's gotta be more here there's more going on here than i understand but i need to understand it so i thought i'm gonna i i looked up you know who wrote the kabbalion what else did they write and so um it was written anonymously but by the three initiates. Um, and so one of those initiates was a guy named William Walker Atkinson. And he had a publishing company out of Chicago that um, had published some like 105 books about all of this stuff uh, back around 1900. And so I decided, well, you know, I'm going to dig into those and see what I can find out. Uh, so I did. I started reading some of those books. There was another author that had published under the Yogi Publication Society. Her name was Mabel Collins. Uh, so I read several books by both of these authors. And they talk about, you know, this process or something. And and I didn't really understand where where all of this was going, but they they talk about this process and the calm that follows the storm, and I really wasn't getting it. I was like, "Am I in this process? Is this what this is? I don't even know, you know." But I was reading, you know, some of the material that Mabel Collins wrote, and um, you know, there was just some of it that was just undeniably like right on in terms of my personality and the way I think about things. And so I thought, you know, maybe I am in this process. Where am I in this process? I don't need, I don't know. Um, so I just kept reading. I kept reading different books of theirs. Um, Mabel Collins wrote another book that I had read that was called uh, Light on the Path. Um, I read uh, another book of hers called um, um, When the Sun Moves Northward, The Way of Initiation. Uh, and, I mean, they all talk about the silence that follows the storm, and I didn't know what that meant, you know. So I just decided I would just read through these books in quick succession which I did. I didn't read all 105 books, but I read quite a few. Um, and uh, at this point, I started to feel this urge to look into mechanization for some reason. 
because I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to figure this out, whatever this is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I started looking into mechanization and I thought, you know, that's kind of the answer for the future, isn't it? It's uh, we have to mechanize everything. And, and that way we as humans can just concentrate on other things, um, better things and not be consumed by daily tasks. Um, so I started to think that that was kind of the way of the future. That's what they were trying to show me. I didn't know. So uh, at this point, I go down to um, Virginia because I have several rental, rental properties down there. Uh, and one that I left open so that I could go down there on weekends or holidays, whatever. So I went down there for the weekend and, um, I was unloading my truck, um, and putting my stuff in the house. And I looked up and I saw on the horizon, this craft that was just like, uh, it was like an egg shaped craft that had kind of a copper tinge to it or a uh, like a brownish tinge and I realized that I had put my cell phone inside so I couldn't take a picture of it unfortunately because it would have been gone by the time I went in and got it um, but I I recognized that okay so I drove down here and they followed me and I'm seeing this because they wanted me to know that they had followed me um, so, you know, the next morning I, I get up and I went to go turn my phone on to look at news. I don't know what I was doing, but it wasn't working. So then I grabbed my tablet and I turned it on. Uh, it wasn't working. My laptop wasn't working. Uh, none of my electronics were working. And I realized, uh, you know, they, these things are all linked through my email and stuff like that. I must have caught a virus. And I was just angry. I was instantly angry because I realized that this whole mechanization thing that I was thinking about could never happen because there will always be somebody who will, you know, create a virus because they want to destroy things or whatever. So I was incensed by that. I was absolutely livid. Uh, and I, I uh, just broke mentally. I said, you know, I, I, I don't know what this is about. Um, you, you're showing me mechanization. We can't do that. Uh, so what's the point, you know? So I, I, in a fit of rage, I was... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
Chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was angrier than I have ever been in my entire life. I threw my laptop against the steps of my house. Some of my friends had witnessed this. I destroyed my tablet and my phone. And I said, you know, if you want to contact me, just write to me. You know, I'm going back to D.C. So on my way back up there, I thought, you know, I was just pounding on the steering wheel and I said, leave me alone. You know, I don't don't come get me from my bed anymore. Don't, you know, just don't call on me. I, I, I we can't do this. Forget it. You know, so I thought I'm going to I'm going to throw these books away that I've been reading and I'm just done with this whole thing. I'm tired of being frightened and terrified. I'm tired of nightmares. I'm tired of being taken from my bed for who knows what. Um, I'm just exhausted. You know, um, I hadn't been sleeping. Um, so I, I got home late that night. I just wanted to go to bed and I, so I didn't throw the books away. I'll do it. I'll do it in the morning, you know. Um, so I went to bed. Um, I don't know how I slept because I, <laughs> I, I've never been that angry in my life. And uh, but I was able to go to sleep. So anyway, uh, at some point during the night, I get woken up again, you know, and I feel that familiar heavy feeling. And I was, uh, I was so angry. I was so angry when they woke me up with that. Uh, and I, I think I, I probably said a few choice words in my head. Um, so I start opening my eyes, my room's blurry, things start to come into view. I'm looking across my nightstand and I can see at the other end of my nightstand is this, you know, small man standing there. Uh, he looked the only way I can describe him as is like a yard gnome. He looked like a yard gnome. Uh, he had, you know, locked a locked beard, um, locked hair, and he was wearing these large, dark glasses. Um, and I'm I'm not sure what those glasses were. Uh, some kind of technology. I, I don't know what it was, but I could see that there was this glow behind the glass, like a, a slight reddish glow behind the glass. It almost looked like the the cherry on the end of a lit cigarette. And he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and then he says, don't give up, keep going. Um, and then he starts to put me back to sleep. Um, and I got up in my bed the next morning and I started thinking, you know, maybe he knows something, maybe, maybe he knows something I don't know, you know, uh, you know, that, that whole light show with the blue being, this has been going on who knows how long, you know, and who might have stand in the way of anything, you know? So I thought, 
I, I have to keep going. I have to get to the bottom of this. Um, so I continued and, um, I continued to be in just excruciating pain, uh, mentally, uh, until, you know, one day I just kind of broke, you know, and, and this was when things started to really change, uh, Sorry, this is um this, this part is no always, need to uh, apologize. No, it's all this good. part is always very difficult for me to talk about. Um, take your time. So I was um I got up one day and I was just like I can't take it. I can't I can't take it anymore. And I went into my bathroom and I was just you know sitting with my head in my hands. Um, on the edge of the bathtub and I thought to myself you know what would be the quickest way to die you know and just end this and I started thinking about how I could just open up a vein and bleed out and it would be over um, but I had read one of these books um, by William Walker Atkinson called um, the life beyond death. And it talks about how, you know, death is an illusion and, um, there's no such thing as death. And he goes into great detail about what happens after you die. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if these books, if there's truth to these books, then, you know, I can't escape this. I can never escape this. I can't even escape this in death, you know, whatever this is. And so I thought to myself, you know, I'm done. I just, uh, and I broke. I mean, I, I just experienced this moment of incredible clarity where it was like, I had decided that I would just no longer be afraid because I didn't have to be. Um, and how I viewed this situation was completely within my control. And, um, and so, you know, I realized that, you know, I'm only ever a victim to the extent that I want to be, and I don't want to be a victim anymore. And so I just, I threw all that away you know, and I decided that I wouldn't be afraid um, because there was nothing, in fact, to be afraid of. Uh, and so after that, I started sleeping with the light off um, and I started sleeping pretty well, actually. And I, they would still come and get me and I just, you know, I didn't have any control over that. So um, I didn't worry about it. Um, and uh, that was a really hard pill to swallow because I just realized that, you know, my whole life had just been this um, living of, you know, from one emotion to the next. Even, you know, as level-headed and calm as I was, I knew that 
there was more, you know, I, and I, and I, I saw how through my entire life I had just decided to be a victim, um, in certain circumstances, you know, and, and now I was realizing that I was only ever a victim of myself and I was only ever a victim of my own emotion. And that was the truth of it. Um, so, you know, um, in the weeks and months that followed, I just kind of let go of all of that stuff. And I started to just experience things differently after that. Um, like uh, one example would be, you know, my drive into work in the morning. I, I don't know if any if anybody's ever lived in D.C., you know how crazy that that can be. <laughs> So I, you know, you see all of these cars zooming in and out of traffic, cutting you off, cutting everybody off, uh, you know, cutting across five lanes of traffic to get off the freeway. And I no longer did those things bother me. Instead, I felt sorry for that individual because I saw how their emotions, you know, and their own inner demons were you know, just being kind of displayed for the world to see. Uh, and, and their emotions became just this physical manifestation of nonsense for the whole world to see. And um, so that was the way I started viewing things. Um, I was driving home from work one day and I thought, you know, what is, I was thinking once again, where is all this going? You know, I don't get it. Uh, and one of the things the Kabbalion had said was that the universe can be thought of as a, um, as a singular consciousness and that everything that exists, exists as an extension of that singular consciousness. And when I read that at the time, I thought, you know, how could you know that? How could anybody ever know that? How could you even prove it? You know? But, um, so I'm driving down a freeway and I'm thinking to myself, where is all this going? Um, and then I hear this voice in my head, um, that starts to tell me some things. Uh, and, um, I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know? And this voice says, uh, you, you are to act as a shepherd of men. And I thought to myself, no, no, I, I reject that completely, you know, because I'm an atheist. Um, and I, I'm always, I, I had always been very, very uncomfortable with religion. I did not like it. Um, I didn't like how it manipulated people. Um, so I was incredibly uncomfortable with that kind of language. Uh, and the voice then said, um, you know, but you have to hurry. There isn't much time. And I thought, what does that mean? What, like I'm going to die or what? And the voice said, yes. And then I was just in an instant, I was taken. I was no longer driving down the freeway. I was, it was the evening now and I'm driving through this intersection. And uh, I'm, there's like flashing lights and cop cars everywhere. And I see this uh, vehicle coming at me 
as I'm driving through this intersection and it's going very fast and it's going to slam into the side of the truck. So anyway, I'm watching this and it's like going in slow motion and I can feel, you know, glass hitting me in the face. Uh, I can see this front end of this car just coming, ripping through the cab. Uh, and then it speeds up and it's over. Uh, and then suddenly I'm driving down the freeway home from work again. And I thought, well, that's, I guess that must be my death or something that I was just shown. And, uh, I didn't care. You know, I just, I didn't care at this point. I, I had no reaction to that whatsoever. And as I'm exiting the freeway to head home, um, I felt, uh, I don't, it's like, uh, I felt like this wall of emotion that was not mine. Um, and it was like, I could feel suddenly that like the trees on the side of the road, I could feel the bugs in the grass. I could feel the other drivers around me. I was just like experiencing um, the world around me as though it were a part of me. Um, and I could sense it in some way, you know, and it was a lot, it was a lot to feel all at once. Um, and um, I thought that's, that's it. You know, that, that just kind of proves it right there. Um, <laughs> the feeling subsided as I drove home. Um, but I kept, I kept going with this. Um, and I, I was reading this book called, uh, a series of rest lessons in Raha yoga by William Walker Atkinson at the time. And I, I was, I was about three chapters away from finishing it when I gradually just started having this feeling all the time where I could feel and sense everything around me as though it were a part of me. And I, I knew instantly I understood what this was. It was, I guess, like in the East, they would call it like nirvana or enlightenment, um, you know, to be basically one with God or whatever. Uh, and during this time, I, <clears throat> I was... Um, unable to suffer anything. Um, I had zero discomfort. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, <laughs> I All of the tension had left my body completely. Um, I never even felt so much as like a pinch of clothing. Um, I was just completely at ease with everything. Uh, nobody could change my mood. Um, and I, I had read later that there was one author that describes this as like the creator of everything that just takes you and like shuts all the doors of suffering and you suffer nothing. Like I, I was so at ease with everything and so completely laid back that like a bomb could have literally exploded next to me and I wouldn't have flinched, you know, it just wouldn't have had any effect. And it was almost like, uh, I, it was like this powerful connection to everything. It was so powerful that I could almost see it. But at the same time, it was like this, um, feeling of just incredible joy and just this unwavering peace. Uh, I've never felt anything like that in my entire life. Uh, but it was wonderful. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was amazing. Um, if you could imagine just being like swaddled in like a blanket that is like made out of love, that's what this felt like. Uh, and, um, so I recognized it as such, you know, and, um, you know, this feeling didn't last forever. And when I was in this kind of, um, Nirvana or whatever, I noticed that there were things happening that I did not think were possible. Um, I was, I was, um, uh, I don't even know how much of this I should get into, <laughs> but uh, so there were like uh, a couple of instances, um, I, I was able to just kind of, just because I wanted to know something from someone, uh, I was able to like, kind of, I know I don't, don't ask me how I did this. I have no idea, but it happened. Um, like plucking a memory from someone else's head. I could feel like these universal forces that were just at work on everything. Um, and they were affecting everyone and everything around me just kind of whipping around. Like I was in the middle of a violent stream, but these, whatever this, energy was it was no longer affecting me i felt like i was in this bubble and i was untouched by it but i could certainly sense it and i could feel it was there um i guess i don't know what you would call that maybe karma um so anyway this this uh feeling eventually shut off it turned off i knew it immediately when it happened uh, I was at work, um, and I felt it shut off. I, I felt it immediately in my shoulders. I was 
suddenly my posture wasn't as good. Um, you know, my back felt heavier. Um, and I was kind of devastated by that. But, you know, I went back to, um, to the books I had been reading and Mabel Collins, you know, certainly says that, you know, this, this joy and unwavering calm will only last a short while. Um, it, it, it's not permanent. Um, it's not going to be forever. It's going to end. Um, and it sure, it sure did. Uh, I then decided I was going to pick up this book that I had been reading, uh, a series of lessons in Raha Yoga to read the last three chapters, just finish it off. Um, and in the last three chapters, I was amazed at what I was reading. So this book was put together um, like a, it, it was like a class. Uh, and I guess like each month, Atkinson would send out materials to the class um, through the mail. And they would write back to him. And so this book is just a series of mantras and meditations. Each chapter is a different mantra and meditation. And so I'm reading these last three chapters. And Atkinson goes kind of off script. And he says, you know, our students have been writing to us because they're in great pain. And I just want everybody to know that you know, I know this pain. And he said, don't worry, it's not punishment. And he says, when you, when, when this pain becomes the most acute, then be cheered that you've reached the crisis of your new spiritual birth. And I was like, no way. You know, this is, and it just seems so unreal that all of this was happening and that I was just led to these books and, you know, there were beings in my room at night and all of this stuff is real, you know, and, you know, in my subsequent research into this, I um, learned that a lot of this is heavily psychological. Um, and it's, of course, also very natural. This whole process is very natural. Um, many people have been through it. Uh, many people will go through it. There are things that you can do that will make you, I think, more prepared. Not only more prepared, but more, more able to go through it. Um, so one of the experiences I had was... Uh, you know, after this feeling had ended, I was like, well, I kind of want to know more about this. And in this Raha Yoga book, Atkinson talks about how you can do this, right? You can, you can think about something and you will be led um, to your answers through consciousness. And um, so this is an example of that. I, I wanted to know more about this process. And so one night I'm, I'm having a dream and there's an elderly gentleman sitting across from me and he's telling me about, he's teaching me about human psychology. As I wake from this dream, um, I start to hear this voice 
running through my head over and over again. It's saying Robert Moore, Robert Moore. So I wrote the name down uh, and I figured I'll see if this guy wrote any books, you know. Um, when I got home from work that day, I looked him up um, and he had written several books. Uh, he was a Jungian psychoanalyst out of Chicago. And um, so I started reading all of his books. And as I was reading uh, a book that he wrote called The Archetype of Initiation, uh, that was when I began to understand, you know, kind of the totality of my experiences. And I thought, oh, you know, that's why the Kabbalion is written by the three initiates. That's why Mabel Collins wrote, When the Sun Moves Northward, The Way of Initiation. And then I was like, this was an initiation that I went through. <laughs> Up until that point, I hadn't gotten that. I, I didn't understand that. Um, so that was, that kind of shed a little bit of light on it. Um, and then I was also led to um, the Greek mysteries and initiation into the Greek mysteries. And uh, the central myth behind these Greek mysteries, and the Greek mysteries were, you know, the, the central experience, uh, central religious experience in ancient Greece. And you could be initiated into these mysteries, they called them. Um, the, the, the main one was in Eleusis, Greece, just outside Athens. And the myth surrounding this, uh, you know, these mysteries in Eleusis was uh, about the goddess Demeter. And within this myth, the goddess Demeter takes a mortal boy and she places him in a fire to burn like a log every night. And she does this to burn away his mortal soul and turn him into an immortal god. Um, and she's interrupted by the boy's mother who screams, you know, at the sight of this. And so Demeter, you know, she chastises the boy's mother and says, you know, silly mortal, you can't, uh, you're not able to understand the, the, the difference between good fortune and bad. I would have turned him into a more an immortal god, but now uh, this will only last a short time. He's only going to be immortal for a short time, which is, of course, what I had experienced. This whole connection to everything, um, and it only lasts a short time. So uh, I knew that that was also, you know, what was that? I, I knew that the experience I had was also the experience that they had in the Greek mysteries and the, and the Greek mysteries became the Roman mysteries and then the Gnostic mysteries. And then they made it into the Bible in the form of the book of revelation. Um, and that, so this is like a seasonal change that is natural in the human psyche. Uh, just, we are inseparable from our environment. And so we see, you know, this, this will start, in the fall and it ends in the spring this whole initiation process <clears throat> and um this is why people experience depression in the winter time this is why this goes up it's, it's part of this natural cycle that we go through just like the earth has the same cycle right uh 
you know, or in the northern hemisphere anyway, um, you know, things start to die off in the fall and they are reborn in the spring. And, and so too goes the human psyche. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's basically what I experienced in a nutshell. Wow. wow. Incredible story. Uh, man, I mean, incredible story. We really appreciate you uh, just really having the courage and, and to be able to come share it with us. Real quickly, Matthew, one second. Uh, Tiffany, if you can do a quick uh, room reset right quick as well. Sure thing, Roderick. Um, now, I know we usually go up until 11, but um, for anyone that is uh, just tuning in with us, um, you are in the Extraterrestrial Evidence Club here on Clubhouse. Um, tonight, we're speaking with experiencer Matthew, who was on the Roosevelt for the events that were covered in the New York Times article. And he's experienced so much more since then. And um, this evening has shared um, a portion of that with the room. Um, and uh, at this point, I'll turn it over to Roderick. All right. Appreciate it. Now, Matthew, um I got a couple of questions for you if you open to answer any. And then I know we have some great people in our audience that um, may want to come up and just ask some quick questions. I have a way that I'll put a little time limit on everything so I don't stress everybody out. But at the same time, are you open to that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So uh, what we're going to do, I got about four or five questions that I'll ask you. And then uh, in the meantime, Tiffany, if you want to start, uh, bringing a few people up not a lot but maybe a few um and then what i'm gonna do y'all is give each one of you maybe um if you can just all with the sake of time and everything else you know it's been up here a while and he's been really uh compassionate talking and everything so if you guys could have one question each uh maybe and then matthew if you can answer it you know as quick as you can because we'll i'm sure there'll be a lot more come up and then we'll turn the hands off in a little bit. Uh, is that fair enough? Yeah, sure. Okay. So first I want to just, I have, a, you know, maybe three or four questions, but one of the things that really touched me is, is, um, the depth of your experience and when it comes down to the human race itself. So, uh, if you can answer real, if it is a short answer, um, how do you feel about social issues I like poverty, voting rights, addiction, you know, alcoholism, or even racism. You know, uh, how do? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so, you know, in 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 kind of researching the psychology of this, um, and, and the psychology of this change, this transformation, this kind of personal transformation that we can go through uh, as humans, I feel like, you know, those issues aren't really the issue right i think that i think underlying all of that is the fact that we have not found this consciousness um this higher consciousness in which you know who and what you are it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think that when you find this, um, uh, problems like, you know, poverty and all of that they just kind of melt away uh i think that i think that these are just you know symptoms of a singular problem um and i think that's not how we're tackling it we don't we, we view all of these things as being these complex set of social issues and they're really not that complex they're all related they're all related to the fact that we haven't found this consciousness. And that is, that is the only singular issue for me is consciousness and transformation. Okay. All right. So that'll lead me into um, my next question. Then Um, how does this affect or this transformation and, you know, affect people in their own lives or this, you know, Um, well, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I, th- I think that a lot of people who I think I feel like a lot of people who experience this depression, you know, this kind of seasonal depression, if they were to explore that maybe a little bit and um, and delve deeper into that, that that would be a far more transformative experience than maybe, you know, just taking an antidepressant if that makes any sense and i and i know that this this it can be very painful incredibly painful but i think in the end um you will see that it's worth it wow. you know wow so is it possible to go through this transformation without the assistance of a non-human entity yeah i think that that's probably more common than not um you know there are all of these subs on reddit that are dedicated to this kind of thing there's uh, awakened you know soul nexus where people all you know describe this kind of awakening that they've had and rarely are there ever other non-human entities involved with that and i you know a lot of people think oh well this guy he thinks he's special because he had you know these what we would currently call aliens, although you can't really put them in that box. Um, and then they think that, oh, he's just, he thinks he's special because he's had all this. I, I think that that makes me very not special, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think that I needed so much help getting through this that that's what I needed um, to get through this. And a lot of people will get through it without that. And I never would have gone through this had I not been led in that way. And so if anything, I think that that makes me just much more dense than most people, um, unfortunately. And that's just, <laughs> that's just what I was, you know. Um, I, I would not have gone through this had it not just smacked me in the face as it did. And I hadn't been kind of dragged through it by someone else you know right 
Right. You know, and and maybe you can answer this for me. And then I have two more questions, and then I'll, I'll just have everyone else to come up. One of the things when I uh, started this club is, is not only because I'm a, a UFO uh, investigator, but one of the things I've always felt is that you know we spend a lot of time focusing on what's in the sky, what's up there, what's flying around, what is this and what is that, but not enough attention paid on the ground to what people like yourself uh, is experiencing. And um, it, it came even more profound uh, when I started this club, you know, January the 15th. And now mm-hmm. within 90 days, less than 90 days, we, I think we hit our 10,000 mark with members and uh, followers today. So when you hear in this room and you're able to share, I mean, I know sometimes you can't talk to family and friends. Is a place like this helpful for you, you know? Um, you know, I, I think it is because I think that, uh, the fact that I'm here and I'm talking about this and, you know, it's been verified that, you know, I spent 16 years in Naval intelligence. I'm not some crazy schizophrenic yelling on the corner. Um, I am trustworthy. I have proven myself trustworthy Um, And so for me to be able to talk about these things that are so seemingly out there um, and to to lend my credibility to that conversation um, is ultimately what my goal is. And I I thank you, Roderick, for creating platforms like this where I can come out and and talk about my my experiences and lend my credibility to them. Um, so thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate it. I really do. And, you know, with Tiffany and, and, and it's just not me. It's, it's a contribution of a lot of people here, a lot of trusted people here that comes here on this platform. And some of them you are here from in a moment, uh, even the listeners, you know, all of us have come to a safe place. And I think, uh, that's very important, especially as we move forward. Uh, so I got two more questions, and, and then I'm going to open up the, the, the wall here. But one of the things in particular, and I can't – well, we talked about – you talked about midlife crisis. Uh, in light of what you've been talking about, kind of go into that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, a, a lot of this you, – you can find a lot of this type of stuff written, you know, in – in mythology uh i i you know I'll, I'll mention joseph campbell because he he was somebody that uh that spoke a lot about myth and and the power of myth and what it means and he would talk about it in terms of personal transformation and uh one of the myths that comes to light or comes to mind when i think about the midlife crisis is kind of the fisher king Um, so there's this, you know, boy King who wants to prove his worth. So he decides he's going to go out to the forest alone. Um, and as he's out in the forest, he, he sees this fire and within the fire is the Holy grail. So he reaches his hand in the fire to try and grab the grail. And he's just, um, he's badly burned. Um, and he's never able to grab the cup. Uh, So he comes back, he's coronated, he's king now, and he sends his armies far and wide 
looking for this grail and he spends the rest of his life looking for it and uh he never finds it and so he's on his deathbed and dying and this fool wanders into the castle and the king he sees the king lying there in his deathbed and he says what's wrong and so the king tells the fool you know i just i want a glass of water i just need some water so the fool grabs a cup from the nightstand of the king and fills it with water and hands it to him and he starts the king starts drinking it and then he realizes oh my god you know this has just totally healed me uh you found the holy grail how did you find this and the fool said i just all i knew is you wanted some water <laughs> you know and and so what this myth tells us about kind of the midlife crisis is that we're all born well right we're we're born and we're we're none of us has a hateful bone in our body but then we go out into the world out there and we get burned you know and it changes us and we become jaded and then in a midlife crisis you know you spend your days trying to recapture your youth um i mean how many how many people in a midlife crisis have you seen that you know they'll go out and buy a car that they had when they were a kid or you know do something to try and recapture that youth or they may they may go and date some someone who's 20 years younger than them um because they want to recapture that and what they're looking for is that innocence lost you know psychologically that's what they're trying to reincorporate into the psyche and so you know you just have to you have to do that rather than doing the midlife crisis thing you have to bring back that innocence that you had as a youth and it's not that things were simpler then it's that you viewed things simpler <laughs> you had a you had a more simple outlook on life um and but but you've been burned by these experiences and so you just have to bring back that simple outlook on life um and, and that that's what the midlife crisis is psychologically <laughs> okay well <clears throat> I, I guess i could contest to that i uh my ex-wife was uh 15 16 years younger so it was a challenge there. <laughs> but uh but you know i'm gonna flip it a little bit here and then um and this would be my last question and then we'll let everyone else go let's go back to disclosure real quick do you think the government knows about the psychic aspect of these phenomena you know uh yeah i i i'm gonna say that i think they do um because i mean if you look at you know what what has come out in the past insofar as uh you know this uh, the gateway experience that they were um experimenting with at N nsa um and then you've got how put off and all of his work um towards remote viewing and all of that i think I think they definitely have known about this for a long time. Um, some of those documents that have come out about this, you know, dating back to the 80s, uh, they were looking at this, uh, you know, with Ingo Swan and and all of that. So I think I think they have known about that for a long time. But but I think that this is a difficult conversation to have 
right? Because who's who's going to announce this? Who's going to talk about this? Um, yeah, it's almost certainly a career ender, you know, if, especially if you're a politician and you're going to come out and say these things um, and then expect to get reelected. Talking about psychics and psychic powers. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are just aren't ready for that. Um, but it, it is absolutely an aspect of the phenomenon. And I think... I think uh, the the how put off and all of this stuff is just evidence that the government has known that. Wow! Yes, is uh, is this kind of? I always say coincidence is God's way of being anonymous, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but I I think you know I was just studying the other night, uh, reading the Brookings report, which was a report that was done in 1960. And it was commissioned by NASA. Uh, which mm-hmm. end up in the Congress hands. But basically, in a nutshell, this report was to find out how would society act knowing about what you talked about, extraterrestrials, the being, all of these things. And they basically came back and, and wrote in report, don't tell society. It, it will be just a major yeah. breakdown in, um, in, in our economy. And, and one of the worst hit communities would be the scientists. And, and I think they've been holding that ever since uh, when it comes down to disclosure yeah. because of the psychic and emotional uh, trauma, I think that it will uh, hit society. But yet that I hear people like yourself and Anjali and you guys are given messages and you're given, uh, um, you know, assignments for humanity, you know, but yet on the other hand, people are trying to to block all that. But here's what I'm going to do, guys. Uh, if you hear, uh, definitely, Matthew has a book on uh, Amazon, which is called Initiated, UAP, uh, Dreams, Depression, Delusion, Shadow People, Psychosis, Sleep Paralysis, and uh, Pandemics. It just actually was published. Uh, you guys definitely want to check that out. It's a paperback, um, and he goes into a lot of great details, and I want to appreciate you sending me uh, the signed copy that you sent me, and I appreciate that. And uh, no, you're welcome. Yeah, and you know, so with that being said, also, guys, um, uh, this if you want to hear this again later, it'll be on our podcast. Uh, you know, we'll edit a few things, but uh, if you know, of course, you know, Matthew, we talked about that, and then uh, we do have a YouTube channel, uh, which is Extraterrestrial Evidence. Uh, got a lot of videos. I did a four-part uh, video series with Alan Stanfield, and uh, just finished those videos, and so it'll be on his website and YouTube and ours as well. Uh, and so I just want to encourage each and every one of you uh, to be able to go there and uh, support us. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, follow us on YouTube and all that good stuff. So with that being said, Tiffany, um, if you want to lead into uh, questions now, what I'm going to do, we're going to limit these questions to at least 30 seconds. Just ask him the questions, Matthew, if you can, because uh, I'm sure more people will come up or this will be it if she turned her hands off. But if you can answer them, that's fine. If anybody goes too far, then they'll hear this nice little... And uh, that's just our polite way of telling them. You won't hear it, but they'll hear it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you are on a guest tonight. So, Tiffany, you want to go ahead and make the rounds of who's next? Absolutely. And if really quick, when you start your statement, if you could just say, I acknowledge I'm being recorded, and then jump right into your question. That would be awesome. Um, so, first, we have uh, Angelia. I acknowledge I'm being recorded. And thanks for having me up here. Matthew, Thank you for sharing that. I have a question. Um, I know that you said that you were atheist. What you're describing to me um, 
sounds like an awakening of sorts. There were several aspects that were fascinating to me and also resonant as I am an experiencer as well. Do you still, do you feel that they, the experience, any of it has any connection to a, an, something that you would call maybe God? Yes. Uh, so, you know, I, the thing about the, the way I view things now is that, um, and, and this is how it's kind of described in the Kabbalion, um, is that, you know, there's there's only one universal consciousness. And if you want to call that universal consciousness God, um, I think that that's what people have called it in the past. Um, but it is the one of which we are all extensions. And, and a lot of people will make this analogy that, oh, you know, we're living in something like the Matrix. But... Uh, you know, you know, the matrix was just like a machine. You know, this is clearly to me not a machine because um, it is aware of what you are. Uh, it is aware of everything you're doing, um, and it will send things to you. You know, and it will send aid and help and love, and that is not a machine to me. Uh, so, I would call that God. Yes. Thank you. I, I, I agree. And that's the reason I asked the question. That's the, the takeaway for me when I had these experiences as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Nick, um, I'm sorry. I seem to have uh, skipped over. Did you have any questions? No, I, I'd like to give the time to the next person. Thank you. Okay. Um, experience? Uh, hi, this is experience. I acknowledge I'm being recorded. Um, the, thank you, Matthew. Blown away uh, by your experience, your account. Um, I was not expecting how deep uh, it went and complex it is. So I appreciate you coming up and, and sharing everything. Um, uh, I'm a founder of a club here called Extra Paranormal Societies as well, and, and, and we delve into this topic heavy um, as well. So hearing your account really is um, important. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you a question about uh, the 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 kind of uncomfortable thing when it comes to some of these alien experiences is uh, the sexual encounter that you had. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not an easy topic to kind of bring out there and you kind of put it out there. So I figured I'd ask the question, um, being that this happened multiple times, did it ever get, uh, did you ever feel a point where you were comfortable with it? And like, it's okay, this is what's, uh, this is supposed to be happening. I, I kind of maybe consented to it, um, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. I have some kind of connection to these beings and it's okay now. Or was it always and has always been uh, a violation? Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, at first, I will say that I did feel violated. And I think that anybody would feel that way. But as I stated, I feel like you know, you're only ever a victim. And this is, uh, I am telling you, this is a hard pill to swallow for anybody. Um, but you are only a, ever a victim of yourself and your own emotions. And how you choose to view that experience is up to you. Um, if you want to be a victim, you will be a victim. Um, if you don't want to be a victim, you won't. And um, so I don't view myself as a victim. 
and I will say this too, that um, I, I did have an experience later. I didn't get into every story, but uh, I, I woke up one night and um, I, I had that heavy feeling. I was on my stomach with my arms crossed in front of me and I couldn't open my eyes even. And I heard this voice say, open your hand. So I opened my hand and I felt this small arm placed in my hand. And it was, I felt down the arm, down to the fingers. The fingers were much longer than would be considered normal baby human fingers. But I could feel the skin was the same as the, the female. Um, and so this hand started to be pulled away pulled out of my hand and as it did that I felt like this static around my hand and I got this kind of impression of particle entanglement and reincarnation and this voice this female voice said so you can come back to us and I thought huh you know because I was I, I had been reading about reincarnation um and in, in with William Walker Atkinson's books. And one of the things that he says is that you will reincarnate to your highest potential. And then I started to realize, well, so you can come back to us means, you know, this is your new highest potential. And, and my DNA with them is, is, is evidence of my new highest potential. And that this is possibly where we get this idea of, dying and going to heaven from you know maybe yeah no um wow that's that's an interesting account man matthew i appreciate you uh sharing and uh i'd love to connect with you uh either through roderick or nick uh to have you in my club one night as well to to de- delve deeper but thank you sure. for sharing your account i appreciate it gotcha. okay yeah no problem got your covered experience i'll shoot you that information uh with his permission of course i think he said yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll shoot yes, that to you. Uh-huh. A quick question for you, though, Matthew, and uh, then ET will be next. Um, I know we got artists and people out here uh, in our field. Have you ever thought about um, drawing or, or just kind of letting someone draw some of these things up? Or uh, Yeah, I have thought about it. I haven't come across anybody that would be willing, <laughs> willing to do it to be honest with you. Um, so if anybody we'll a couple wants, of people, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. get a couple of people. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody feels like that's something that they want to do, um, and maybe I can, you know, maybe we can get together. Yeah. Leanne out there, she does some great drawings. I know she does some of her own, but I'm sure she can handle some of those things for you as well. Um, she has the, uh, icon down there with the blue there, but, uh, maybe she'll pop up here in the audience for us, but, Okay, uh, Tiffany, go ahead. Who 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 we have next? Et. Hello, guys. Hello, Matthew. Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, it was all interesting. Uh, I guess I have to choose one question. I want to know about that uh, lady that looked well dressed at the gas station. Uh, who was she, and uh, what was uh, going on there with her? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question because I have since learned, um, and I'll I'll bring this book up. 
it's a it's a book that I read um, later on, uh, and it's it's called um, The Voice. Um, it's it's by a woman named Jess Taylor. Uh, the the full title is um, The Voice, and then the subtitle is Case Files of a Divine Intervent- Intervention Agent, right? So what this woman does is um, she went through an experience that was similar to mine, um, and she has she hears this voice too, right? That I'll hear sometimes upon waking, but she hears it all the time. And the voice tells her what to do. Um, it will send her to people who are suffering from PTSD or um, they need some kind of divine intervention in their lives. And it will, the, her, the voice will tell her what to tell them. Um, if you read this woman's book, it's incredible. But she... Uh, she does this kind of work and I have met people who do this kind of work. Um, it is, it is a real thing. Um, and so I think that probably those women, um, they were aware that I was going to be there that night and, uh, they had been sent and they were told what to say as I was walking past and, they did what they were told. And I think that that's what that was. Wow. That so is... did, did you strike up a conversation after that? Exchange numbers? Or... Uh, I did not. So I thought that, you know, I didn't know that if, if these women had been there on purpose or not, or if maybe it was just that they felt some kind of urge to sit there. So I didn't bother... I did hear, though, that as I was leaving, that they were talking about God. And I was like, well, that's not a conversation I want to get into. Because at the time, I was still very much an atheist, you know. And so I I did not stop, but I I really should have. But you know, it's the lady who who has written that book you mentioned. Is that correct? Uh, the, The Voice by Jess Taylor. Um, do I know her? Uh, is that what you're asking? And where did the book come in? Is that attached from the lady at the, is that her? No, no. So that was not her, but I know that there are, I, I have met people and met groups of people that do this kind of work, mm-hmm. uh, that are, you know, divine intervention agents and they will train other people to do this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so that's who these ladies were. They, they knew what they were doing there. They, they knew they needed to say this as I walked past. Um, so, so they're a part of, they're a part of what? Uh, like divine intervention. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Great question there, ET. Um, so what we'll do, Alan is going to be next in just a second, but we have uh, Barbara Lamb. Uh, she'll be with us next week, but she's definitely on our team. Uh, I don't know if you ever thought about regression. Uh, she is one of the best mm-hmm. out there. She's done over thousands, you know, maybe 2,000 of them, not more. You know, uh, she's in the yeah. audience today, so she'll definitely 
I'm going to make sure we you guys could connect as well because uh, I think it's some, some great things. And also, you know, I just feel your pain. And, and definitely uh, mm-hmm. we here, all of us is here to help one another, and I think this is what uh, this is all about. So, Alan, uh, you up, buddy? Yeah, thank you. Uh, amazing story, and I love the way you told it because it was so engaging. It was like I didn't know where you were going and you, you were so present in the telling of the story, it, I felt like it was happening to me. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing that I, I, I have to ask you, and, and I think it's, we're supposed to, it's all supposed to fall apart as these things unravel, but w- the alien connection, are these beings uh, are here to wake us up on a planetary level? I, I mean, there's more happening here. I mean, I've listened to 20 years of awakening stories, but there's something about the ET presence that is um, helping us awaken to to something else. So where are these beings and uh, on that scale of awakening? And they're here to awaken um, our humanity in the future. I mean, uh, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that is their purpose here. I, I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they've always been doing. Um, but I, you know, I, I are they here to awaken all of us at once? And there's going to be some kind of big reveal. I don't. I couldn't answer that. I don't know. I, if I were a betting man, I would say no. Um, and I would say no just because. Uh, these things don't, these changes, this transformation, uh, happens on an individual level. Um, and it can only ever be affected on an individual level, but it does seem like, um, activity has been picking up, um, because I think that we are, we are as humanity going through a phase um, and there have always been these phases in the pl- in the past. You know, we've had pandemics, um, we've had world wars, um, and these things kind of drive that personal transformation within individuals, right? It's it, it the, these types of events have a way of making us kind of turn our gaze inward and and asking ourselves, what does this mean? You know, what, 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 what does all of this mean if, if there's all this death and destruction? What does that mean for me? Well, yeah. Are, are you, you feel cooked all the way through or is there some next level? I'm just curious. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Well, I mean, do you, like, you sort of sounds like it's reached a plateau and you've made peace with it, but do you feel like there might be another level to your awakening? Um, I think that this is all of this is um, an evolution, right? And this is this is in fact what evolution is, uh, and and it's just this constant changing um, and evolving. And so I think, you know, just as you can say, well, these beings are kind of at the next level where humanity is trying to currently get right now. Um, there are levels certainly above that. Um, and I don't know how high up that scale goes. 
you know, probably all the way to the top. Um, but I don't know how many levels that would consist of. <laughs> I, I would imagine it would be quite long, that journey. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. It, it, it's it's very deep for me. Whatever you said just really hit me in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a great way. So thank you. It reminds me of Whitley Strieber's awakening in a way. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Roderick. For this oh, no problem. Evening. No, thank you. And And guys, you know, Alan has a book that's coming out. May 4th, so we're, we're going to be supporting that as well. Making Contact is the name of the book, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. Uh, and it's a hardcover, and it'll be available uh, next month, May 4th. So um, so I guess the last person we have is Jody. Hi, I'm Jody, and I acknowledge that we're being re- recorded. Um, Matthew, I love your description of how you were awakened because probably of your density because that's what we deal with on earth here a lot is everybody's density so with your awakening and that we do still have much density on this earth what is your journey what is your future journey now that you've experienced and awakened other than to tell your story like what do you see yourself doing with the rest of your earth time yeah so i i am writing another book because i kind of understand um the psychology of this a little bit better um and i understand that you know i had so i had the correct psychology to be able to go through this um but i didn't have the right the right worldview. In other words, like things would happen to me, but I would just, you know, I, science tells you it's not possible. So I just kind of would blow it off, you know, and I had these experiences throughout my whole life. Um, but I, I, I know now that they were something else. Um, and so the psychology was there, but I just wasn't going to go through it unless somebody dragged me kicking and screaming. <laughs> and so that, that's what ended up happening. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, so, so my plan is to write a book on how I got to the point where I was, um, when I witnessed the footage on the Roosevelt. So I want to, I want to kind of talk about, you know, how to incorporate that psychology into one's own life, like the practice of stoicism and what that is and what that means. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and I, I feel like if I talk about how I incorporated these things into my life and how I applied them to my life, that that would be immensely helpful to people who are, you know, working consciously towards getting there, if that makes any sense. No, no, that makes total sense. Do, but do you expect any more? guidance oh yeah yeah actually i i still get um i still get guidance every day and and the thing is it's just gotten much more subtle um so i'll have like a, you know sometimes i might i'll wake with that voice in my head in the morning that may may give me an author or you know i'll feel like this impression to 
look at something or I'll, I'll hear the name of an author in my head and I'll get the urge to look at something. And always it'll be, you know, something concerning what I was wondering about. So um, I, I, I know that I can be led in that way and I have no doubt that that will greatly assist me in writing my next book. Um, and I'm going to use that. I'm also going to school now to get degrees in psychology um, because I think, you know, this uh, kind of Jungian psychology that, uh, you know, Robert Moore would talk about in his books is, is right on, you know, and I think, I think the world needs more of that. And do you have like goals for your outer personal relationships? I mean, cause this would affect, you know, your life as in what you're going to do with your life as in, and I don't know if you have family or if you plan to have kids or if you, you know, plan to, you know, be a hermit. I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> does that affect what you want on this earth? Um, so I, you know, a lot of people ask me about that. And what I say is that, you know, we, we all have this idea of, you know what this the 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 wise old man on the on the mountain or you know he lives a solitary life and and i honestly i i don't ever get that feeling of being alone you know i it just doesn't it doesn't occur to me because i you know when i first came into this consciousness i i realized that you know i can be alone in my room but I can still kind of feel things around me. You know, I can feel people around me. So I never feel alone, even though I can be completely alone in a room. Um, and so I don't ever get that loneliness. I know that I am a part of everything around me and there's no such thing as being alone. So I, I just never feel that way. So in, in that sense, I have zero... Um, you know, <laughs> I really just have no desire to engage in uh, the types of relationships that people would normally engage in. Um, and, you know, I, and a lot of religions, you know, will like this whole idea of, you know, the, the Christ figure or, or, you know, the, the, the priest who's supposed to be celibate or whatever. Um, and I look at that now and I say, you know, what they were doing was trying to get people to where I am now. But you can't just say, you know, here's that box. This is what it looks like. You know, the, the solitary person who's kind of celibate and has no need for these things. Um, but you, you can't just say, here's the box. Now make yourself fit. You know, um, you, you have to evolve into that. And um, I, I feel like that's where I'm at now with that. I, I, I would have no problem with not having a family. Um, that's not something that bothers me. Right. But would you want, I mean, but would you want one? And then that's what, that's what I think the question was that I'm getting at. So I, I get that you are not alone ever, even if you were alone, but did this experience change you know what I mean? That desire, I guess it did. Then it changed the desire yeah. to um, have, you know, uh, I, I don't know what you're, you know, a, a, another 
another person co yeah. cohabitate with another person or <laughs> you know to have <laughs> yeah you know i i before before all of this happened i kind of had the same i had kind of a, a adopted that kind of view though i didn't i didn't really want or need people around um and i and you know people i and 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 i thought to myself you know before all of this happened my thought was that should really bother me because that's not normal you know but then in light of what happened to me it's like oh you know now i get it i know why why those things were unappealing to me you know um and, and understanding that now really sheds kind of a lot of light on the way that I viewed things in terms of all of that. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jody, for those questions and uh, everything else. And Matthew, I would like to just say, uh, you know, thank you uh, for being here with us. Uh, and let me give thanks to Nick too, guys. You know, Nick is our yeah. uh, behind the scenes uh, the guy okay and nick does mm -hmm. a lot of things we you know we have a, a huge team that we have here with extraterrestrial evidence and you know from tiffany and nick then we got our commentators and we got you know we just we have a lot of people but uh definitely you're part of our family now that's for sure and uh and so um you, you have a many of us you're gonna call you you know we you can call us straight and contact and and, I'll, and of course, me and you already talked on the phone a few times anyway. So, but either way, uh, there's more. I'm gonna hook you up with uh, experience. Uh, again, he has a great club, and um, and you know he would love to uh, definitely, uh, you know, just talk with you in there. And then, of course, Alan has a show that um, he reaches a great audience, and, and we'll hook you up there and and just let you share this story because I think it's something that. I think it's good for you to talk, you know, and then at the same time, yeah. you know, for other people to hear uh, from there. And so what I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to make some announcements uh, real quick as we come to a close here. Um, Thursday, you guys don't want to miss it, uh, 830 Central Time. Barbara Lamb will be here with us. And, of course, if you haven't heard about her, you know, she's a licensed psychotherapist, certified hypnotherapist, as well as a regression therapist. Uh, one of the best out there. Uh, we're going to be talking about hybrids. And, in fact, we're going to have another guest online with us. Uh, her name is Mary. And Mary actually has hybrid children here. So she's going to share that. They both... Uh, you know, have worked together. And so you're going to hear some great things when it comes down to that. Uh, I just think it, you know, so we should put the word out. So it's going to be Thursday at 830 uh, Central Time here. Now, as always, like I say, you know, Clubhouse is 24 7, 12, 365 plus OT because we can stay on this thing and listen. And I will tell you that you don't have to go to bed because you're adults. You can stay up. But one of the things is you can't stay here in this room because we're going to shut it down. But what we do have is the after room. And that is going to be with Ben and Nick. And these guys go deep when it comes down to it. I'll crank this room up about one minute after we close this one. You guys welcome to get in it. Anything goes. The discussion is just goes on and on and on. And these guys go really deep. But our guests will not be there because he's going to uh, take a rest. He's been talking for a while and, and everything else. And so... Uh, but you're welcome to, you know, jump in there. But Tiffany, uh, you got any words for the crowd tonight? 
I just wanted to thank Matthew for uh, coming in and sharing his experience so authentically and and uh, being so um, vulnerable with us. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, Matthew, and and we really appreciate it and everything else. And guys, again, I just want each and every one of you appreciate you for being part of extraterrestrial evidence uh, and just coming back with us and, and just making Clubhouse a place where we all feel safe and secure. I'm Roderick Martin, and of course, my co-host there and uh, the greatest admin of all time is Tiffany. And then you had Nick there and again, our speaker tonight. So guys, you guys enjoy uh, the rest of your evening um, and just come back. We've we got many things in the future for you. Thank you and good night, everyone.